Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Hey, welcome, Valley. It's good to be with you. I'm Andy Mono, one of the pastors here at the Valley Church. I want to welcome you. Uh, to the service and just just good to be with you. Hope you're having a great morning. Hope you're enjoying a beautiful day. You know, we are starting a, a sermon series. Actually, we started last week and we're, we're in uh, the, the second part of this series and it's called Sit With It and it's the questions you've asked and here's the question for this week. How can I know that prayer really works? I, I mean, there are a lot of questions that we have in life, some critical ones, and, and that is, if, if, uh, if prayer doesn't work, why spend time with it? If, if prayer isn't going to work, uh, where do I turn? And uh, so it's one of really one of the bigger questions that we can have in life. And so we're really going to take a look at, at this question today. Now, I, 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 uh, I want to share with you, I love new gadgets. I don't know if you've discovered that yet uh, about me, but I am a guy who loves new gadgets. I got this little thing on my desk. Some, I, I got it in the mail and it's, it's, it does a million and one things. It's like got a little eye, gra- it, it's a little, uh, it's square. You can, you can fix your eyeglasses with it. You can put a little business card in it. It becomes a cell phone holder. It slits your mail. I mean, it it's an all-in-one kind of office tool. I love that little gadget. I don't know about you, but, but that's just the way it is. And I love new tech. I'll just tell you, I don't think I could live without my MacBook Pro anymore. Now, it is a, it's a laptop, and it just does everything, and it does everything that they advertised it would do. I, I was a little leery. You know, they say, well, this tool will work this way, and, you know, there's a lot of false advertising out there, right? But I want you to know that this MacBook Pro has really worked that way. On the other hand, I've gotten some equipment that hasn't worked up to what they said it was going to do. Uh, we're working on a, a system right now that we could do drive-in church here at the Valley. And uh, there's a system that allows us to do that. Uh, and I don't have my phone here, but you can, you can actually uh, broadcast to a phone, uh, whether it's a, an Android or an iPhone, and you're supposed to be able to download this app. And we've been working with this thing for about six, seven weeks and it hasn't worked as advertised. We've had to send it back a couple times. We've had our integrator looking at it. And the reality is it still doesn't work completely with Android phones. And it's a little bit spotty. It doesn't work like it's advertised. And that's the problem with stuff. It doesn't always work. And we never know if it's really going to work or not. Like, like take self-driving cars. Have you ever thought about that? Are you ready to ride in one of the first self-driving cars? <laughs> Think about that. You better trust that it really is going to work. Here's a big decision a lot of us are going to be making coming up. Should we get the vaccine for COVID-19? Or should we let somebody else go first and be the guinea pig? I mean, why would we even not get the, the vaccine to start? Because we don't really know if it's going to work or not like it's advertised. Guys, uh, they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. So maybe you should go out and buy that diamond. But on the other hand, if it's not, if it really isn't going to work, it really going to make a difference to her, maybe I'll just go buy that boat. I mean, there are a lot of questions in life that we're faced with. And, and one of the biggest questions is, will something work when it comes time? It will work as advertised. And uh, I'll tell you, that, that whole uh, thought process is a lot harder when we get to spiritual things. You see, some of the things we can see, we can, we can lay our hands on it, we can look at it, we can make that kind of evaluation. But spiritual things, because they're not in the realm that we're in, uh, it's much harder to discern whether they're going to really work or not. And I think that's why we have this question, can prayer really work? And so I, I want us to spend some time discovering what Jesus had to say about this 
question. Because here's the deal. What I've discovered is you aren't going to spend time praying if you don't really think it's going to work. If you don't think it makes an impact in your life, if it's not going to make an impact in somebody else's life, if there's really going to be no answer to the prayers that you lift up, you're, you're really not going to pray those prayers. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 5. And, and Jesus inspires Matthew to, to record an incident that happens with a centurion soldier. Fascinating account. And, and Jesus records that for a very specific purpose. And that is that we will trust that prayer works. And so I want you to join with me for this little journey through this passage that Jesus specifically has given us. Now it says in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, and by the way, you can join us on version if you want to fill in the notes there. Love for you to follow along because I, I want you to know there's power in the scripture and, and I want you to, to follow along with me. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, Centurion was a Roman officer, and he was in charge of 100 soldiers. Some people would argue it was 80. The reality is it was a lot of soldiers, and most of the commentators would say it was 100. And, and the Centurion was the gold standard for leadership. Um, the, the, he, was, he was the creme de la creme. They were known for their high devotion to duty. They, they were known for their high character. That's just the kind of, of leaders that centurions were, and they were picked for that. And so, so you can know that this centurion was high character. He, he, was, he was a high leader. He had a high devotion to his, his duties and to the people that he served with and to the posts that he had. But he also had a high devotion to his family. To, to the people of his household. And by, in those days, households not only included your family, but all those who live with you, maybe who served with you. And that he cares so much about a lowly servant. You're gonna find out that there's a servant in his house that he comes to Jesus for. Now, we don't know if, this, if Jesus was his last resort or his first stop. We don't really know that. It doesn't say that. But here's what I know. In the end, every one of us gets to the end of ourselves. Every one of us gets to the end of our rope. We, we come to the end of the road with all the things that we've tried, with all the places we've gone. We've tried everything. And often at the end of our rope is when we come to Jesus. Now, now that the reality is that the, the fact that we come to the end of our, of our rope is a blessing because that's when we look for the ultimate authority who can help us. You see, we need somebody with not just answers, not, not just words, but we need somebody who, who has the authority to reach down into our life and intervene in the situations that we find ourselves in. We need somebody with the authority to change and to move in the places where we need them to, to give us hope and, and healing, to give us restoration, to, to give us forgiveness, to, to make things new in our lives. And coming to the end of ourselves is the time where, where we discover who that authority is. And so the centurion asks for help. Now, this is a big deal because the centurion, is, he's, a, he's, a, he's a leader of 100 soldiers in the Roman army, in the, in, in the Roman military. And the Roman military is a juggernaut. I mean, there isn't, it is all powerful in that day. And so he's part of something huge. And it has to be tough for a centurion soldier, a centurion officer in charge of all these soldiers and this greatest military power to go to ask Jesus for help. I mean, it would make him appear weak, right? It would make him appear like he, and, and, and he should have the power to adjust things. But, but all of us come that are human, all of us come to the place where we discover that we don't have the power we thought we did. We don't have the strength to intervene and to do the things that we need done. 
What's really remarkable is that the centurion is a Gentile. A Gentile is anybody who's a non-Jew in that day. And Jesus came to help the Jews first. That was God's people. And then to the Gentiles. And, and so it's, not only is he this Roman soldier in this all-powerful army, but he's a Gentile. He's an outsider. Yeah, I wonder if you and I sometimes see ourselves as outsiders with God. And we wonder, do we matter to God? Would he really want to help me? And yet the centurion goes to Jesus. And I want you to know that, that if you will turn to Jesus, he's ready to receive you just as he receives the centurion soldier. In fact, God wants to do amazing things in your life. But the reality is it's going to take us asking him to intervene, asking him to come in because he won't come where he's not welcome. And, and what's amazing is that we have all the power of the universe in the hands of Jesus Christ, in the hands of God. Uh, and, and yet, if in our pride we don't ask God, if in our ignorance we move away from God, we will never receive the things that we need. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way. He said, you do not have because you do not ask God. And I just wonder how many of us are going through life and we don't have what the, the best of what God has for us because we haven't asked. We, we haven't gone. We haven't uh, maybe lowered ourselves, humbled ourselves before God. Uh, we haven't gone to seek him out. Uh, we feel like we're on the outside, like we don't deserve it. We don't belong. And so we don't go and discover who, who God is and discover what he has for us. The centurion tells us a lot about what he thinks of Jesus when he goes to Jesus. And I want you to know this. The strength of, your, of our prayer life says what we think about Jesus. And if we believe prayer really works. The strength of our prayer life says what we think about Jesus. And if we believe prayer really works. Think about it for a minute. If, you're, if, you, if you have a strong prayer life, that obviously means that you believe God is going to do something with those prayers. That, that prayer really works. And if not, then it's likely that you've really kind of discounted it. Yes, you give it lip service, but you haven't really, uh, you haven't really trusted that, that Jesus is God, that he can do what he says he can do, and that prayer really works. Verse six, he says, Lord, this is the centurion speaking. He said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and suffering terribly. Uh, you know, the suffering has gotten to the centurion. If you have somebody who's, who you love, some, somebody who uh, uh, you, 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 you just care about, and you watch them suffer, it is one of the hardest things that you'll go through. And that's where this centurion is at. You see, he, he, he's powerless to do what he thought he could do. He's not in control, and he recognizes that, and there's nothing he can do to relieve the suffering of his servant. And so it says in verse 7, it says, Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Shall, shall I come and heal him? Now, face value, it, it seems as if it's Jesus is, uh, is asking the centurion if he wants, if he wants Jesus to go and, and heal the servant. But, but the centurion's already asked him. So I think something more is happening in this moment. I think Jesus is asking him if he thinks that a Jew, Jesus, a Jew, will come into a Gentile home and, uh, and, and, and respond to his call. You see, Jews didn't go into Gentile homes. They, they weren't welcome there. They were outsiders. Gentiles were outsiders. And so Jews wouldn't go to, to, uh, to Gentiles' homes. And yet, here it is, that God 
is 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 available and willing to go into anyone's home and so many of us sometimes think that we're an outsider to god that we don't belong that we're not worthy and uh and he does he's asking do you believe that i'll come into your home and i and that's the question today do you believe that god wants to answer your prayer now look at the centurion's response in verse 8 the centurion replied lord i do not deserve to have you come under my roof fascinating the the centurion says i'm not worthy it's i'm not worthy to have you come under my roof i i don't deserve that and none of us do you know the reality is if prayer depended on us being worthy none of us would have our prayers answered but here's the deal we aren't worthy but he is and our prayers don't depend on our worthiness they depend on his worthiness and jesus wants to answer our prayers no matter what you've done no matter where you've gone no matter what you've become if you will turn to him it doesn't count on your worthiness it counts on his it depends on his and so no matter where you've been no matter what you've done no matter where you've gone no matter what state you find yourself in today if you'll turn to jesus your prayer depends on his worthiness and that's one of the ways you can know that prayer really works because it depends on his faithfulness not yours now here's the huge part of the reason we know prayer works watch this it says the centurion says but just say the word and my servant will be healed for i for i myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me i tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes i say to my servants do this and he does it and there it is the centurion believes prayer works because jesus has the authority to do all things the centurion understands authority. Uh, he says, I ha- I- I'm under authority, and my soldiers are under my authority. He understands that concept that there is someone who has authority in the world and the power that comes with it to move and to make a difference. And when you have that authority and the power that goes with it, nothing can stop you. And he tells Jesus that he believes that Jesus has the authority to heal and that healing will take place if he commands it. So, so what gives a centurion that kind of trust? What, what kind of, what kind of that, that trust in his power, that trust in, in who Jesus is? Well, first, I think it's this. I, he's seen Jesus display that ultimate authority in his teaching. In, in Matthew chapter 7, which is a, a chapter right in front of chapter 8 here, Jesus is teaching like no one else ever has. Most of the teachers of the day, they, would, they wouldn't teach with authority. They would, they would always refer to other authorities, whether it was a rabbi or someone's teaching, and they would always refer to other authorities, but never their own. And yet here, Jesus is teaching as the authority, the one who knows of what he's talking about. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's people in your life that you've probably experienced where you come in contact with them. Maybe they're a technician. Uh, maybe they're a doctor. But they know of what they talk about. You know that they know that they know about what they talk about. When people come into contact with Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, as he's teaching these disciples and, all, and this crowd, they know that he knows of what he's talking about. Jesus had that kind of authority. We, we see here in Matthew 7, it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, the, crowd were, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had, say what? Authority. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And, and, and so the centurion has, ex, I believe he's probably experienced that teaching. He's heard about this authoritative teacher who knows what he talks about, who doesn't refer to all the other, but he, he speaks of his own authority 
authority. And there's something about that that you want to follow, that you know that he knows that he knows. And then there's something else on top of all that. Right before this teaching, Jesus is coming down a mountainside. And as he's coming down the mountainside, he runs into this leper. And this leper needs healing. And, and listen to what happens. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of leprosy. I, I know and I, and I believe that the centurion, he, he lived in this immediate area. He had seen and heard about the things that Jesus was doing. And, and he'd heard about the authority of Jesus teaching, but then he also saw the authority of Jesus in the lives of people as he restored people to health, as he healed relationships, as he, as he gave people forgiveness. They saw his authority over nature, over disease, over sin, over all the things that, that hold people back, hate and bondage. And he had come to a place where he could say this, but just say the word and my servant is healed. See, God wants us to get to that place where we trust him so much. We trust in the authority that he has over all of nature, over this world that we live in, that we can just say, we can say to God, but just say the word, my servant will be healed. How can you know that prayer works? You will know prayer works when you come to the place where you trust in the authority and the character of Jesus to act. You say, well, well how do I come to that? How, how do I come to that place? Because I don't know that I trust him that much. I don't know that, that I can just say, here, God, you're going to do it. I know you can fix it. I, I'm not there. How do I get to that place? Well, I think we have to do what the centurion did. We've got to engage Jesus in, in authoritative teaching. You see, as we read the scriptures, we experience the teaching of Jesus Christ and the authority that he gives us. And when you realize how Jesus and, and the words of Jesus through scripture, the words of the Father through scripture, how, how they talk about life and death, how they talk about salvation, how, how they talk about healing, you know what? You will discover that he knows of what he talks about and you will be amazed and when you're amazed at his teaching it will build your faith you ever call customer service somewhere you don't you you you, you call and and you want them to solve a problem and you and you so you you're on the line with them and you can just tell right away they're probably not going to fix your problem you they're, they're trying to refer you somewhere else they're looking at their script you can hear them try, trying to fumble through and find a place and 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 they're not sure and you know what I've come to discover? When you get to that place, it's, you're probably never going to get the answer that you're looking for. So one of my strategies now is I'll hang up, uh, not on them. I, I will just end the call and uh, I'll call back up in the customer service if the queue isn't too long and I'll call back and I'll try to find somebody else. And uh, oftentimes I found that there are people who speak with authority and know of things that other people don't know of and they can never get you to the place where they can fix what you have. But other people can. And I've learned if I can change where I'm at in the queue and get someone new I can get there. You know, that isn't possible with some of the big things in life. We can't just get into a new queue. But the reality is we can move our needs and our hopes and, and all of our plans to God. And we can trust in what he is due because he is capable of answering our prayers. 
And I don't know what you've trusted in till now. Maybe you feel like you've been in a queue and people just can't help you. And you've tried this solution. You've tried that solution. And all through the scriptures, uh, I, I remember the story of the, the woman who was bleeding. She had tried all sorts of things. And then she came and she came to Jesus. And I just wondered today, if you're ready to come to Jesus, if you're, if you're desperate enough to trust in him and, and his intervention in your life. You know, it's not only do we engage in Jesus' authoritative teaching and, and as you read the scriptures and as you go through to, to let God begin to form a trust in him, but he's also, he, he's done so many things in the world, in your life and in the lives of people around you and, in, and through the scriptures. He wants you to look at what he is doing in the world, how he's using his authority to change the world around us. You know, we're often very quick to discount miracles. Have you noticed that? If somebody tells you a miracle, I wonder if I could ask you, if I took a poll here, if somebody told you about a miracle, how many, would you, how many of you would believe that that miracle really happened? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Oh, they're probably, they're probably, it's probably, it was probably something else. It probably wasn't a miracle. And we often do that. And we discount what God is doing in the world so it doesn't build our faith. We, we attribute it to all sorts of things. I want you to know, and I want you to hear this, God often provides ex- his extraordinary answers to prayer through ordinary means, but it's still him who does it. it it's still him who does it. it it's not us. It, it, it's not medicine. It's, it, God may use those things, but it's him who does it. My dad had uh, prostate cancer for 11 years, and uh, early on, I remember when we went to the doctor and uh, he got that checked out, uh, we discovered they'd found it late, and uh, it was, uh, dad hadn't gone, and he hadn't checked some things out quick enough, and it had gotten away out of the prostate, and uh, so we asked the doctors how long he had. They said, you know, well, you know, they were kind of one of those deals, and and finally, one of them said, I don't, not even probably a couple years, and so we didn't think it was going to be a long time. Well, we prayed for healing. We asked God to intervene in his life, to, to do things that only he could do. In the meantime, dad had cancer treatments of all kinds, radiation, hormone therapy. I think there was some chemo in there. And uh, he juiced carrots like crazy. I think he was starting to turn orange at the end. He, he tried all those things. The reality is that, that dad lived 11 years after that initial diagnosis. And there was, that just didn't seem any way possible that he was going to make it past a couple. We believe that God, I personally believe that God healed him for a period of time. And you know, as you look through scriptures, uh, even the leper that was healed ended up dying. And so healing is only for a period of time, right? But dad was healed for that period of time. Do I believe that it was medicine that, that healed him? No, I believe it was Jesus Christ. I believe he responded and answered to prayer and did a miracle in dad's life. Now, did he choose to use medicine? I don't know. I, I really don't honestly know how he did it, but I know that Jesus did it. God uses those ordinary means sometimes to do the miracles in our lives. Sometimes he just outright does them. We can't understand all that. We don't know how it all works, but we're too quick to dismiss that God has intervened in our life. And when we trust that God has worked in our lives, it begins to build our faith. I believe that centurion had heard that Jesus had been on the sea with the disciples and, and when the wind and the storms came up and he had, he had calmed the wind and the waves and, and he heard how, how he was an authority over nature. He'd probably heard about Jairus' daughter who was dead and, and, and raised. 
He'd probably heard about the women who had, had bled. He'd probably heard about the, the, the small loaves and fishes that some boy had to, who, who Jesus multiplied to feed 5,000. You know, you know, those kind of miracles, those ways that with the authority of, of, of a God who is over all of nature and over all the universe, who, who can move things and change things. When you, when you experience that, it changes you and it builds your faith. And you know, you and I have something greater than the centurion had. You know what it, what it is? It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. See, there was another centurion at, at the crucifixion. And this centurion... He was in charge of the whole thing. He was there to crucify Jesus and, to, and, to, and to, uh, to guard the scene and to guard the tomb. And, and that was his job. And he thought he was in control. He thought he was running the whole show. And he later learned that he wasn't. You see, he experienced what Jesus had done. He saw the earthquakes. He, he saw how the sun had darkened. He, he saw how Jesus hand, handled torture in a way that no one else ever had. And and in the end, he exclaimed this. He said, surely he was a son of God. That's the title for the Messiah. That's the title for the Savior that the Jews had. He, the centurion knew what he was saying when he said that. I want you to know today the resurrection is the greatest proof that God has the authority over all things, including death. And, and we have that even over the centurion. Now, now look how Jesus ends the encounter with the centurion uh, in, in this account, it says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And he said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. You know what I hope? I hope in my life that God is amazed at me, that God is amazed at my faith in him, my trust that he has the authority to intervene in my life. He has the, 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 the authority to intervene in people's lives. He can intervene in time and space with nature with life and death, with salvation, with forgiveness, with people's souls, that he has the authority because he is the creator and the master of all the universe, that he can intervene in time and space and change anything that he desires to change, that nothing is impossible with him. And he wants us to have that kind of faith. I hope you're amazing Jesus with your faith, because when you do, you'll know that prayer works. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. And Jesus commends the centurion's great faith. In fact, he goes on to say many Jews will not have that faith and they will miss out on the kingdom of God because the faith is not only for our healing, but it's for our salvation. And the result of his faith is that the two things come together. Jesus' authority and his faith make the miracles possible and his servant is healed the very thing that he asked for i want you to know this prayer works because jesus has the authority to make it work and he works it according to your faith he works it according to our faith you see you have to believe that god not only can but that he will in your life you know right before jesus ascended into heaven he said this Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Ask and you will receive. Believe and God will do amazing things in your life. God may not answer you in the ways that you think he ought to. He, he may not do the th things in ways that you understand. But I want you to know you can know prayer works. 
because God has the authority to intervene. And if you, by faith, will trust that he has that authority and you can build that trust by engaging his word, by, by listening to his authoritative teaching, by experiencing and, and seeing God work in people's lives. They, God's doing miracles today, if you'll see it, if you'll open your eyes. He, he, he showed us in the resurrection that he commands all of time and space, that, that he has authority over life and death. And, and we see through the miracles recorded, they validate that he is that authority. Then we can know prayer really works. And because we can know that we know that we know, we can come to the Father in anything we need, whether it's a, a loved one that is facing a, 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 a cancer diagnosis or, or a relationship that's breaking apart, or maybe it's your own heart. It's broken beyond repair, at least the repair you're able to do and the repair others are able to do. And you need God to intervene. You need him to forgive you, to give you a new identity. You need him to remake you, to restore you, to give you hope again. The God of the universe that ha has the authority to do that. And he wants to do that in your life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe, if you'll amaze God with your faith, God wants to do amazing things. Let me pray with you. Father, I just pray for each person who is hearing this, this broadcast today, who's here in the service today on site. Father, I just pray that, that they, would, they would realize who you really are that they would come to the end of themselves, they would come to the end of all the other options, and they would, they would look to you, Jesus, as the, as the true authority who, who is the creator of all the world, who, who wants to come into their life and to impact them, to, to come in and, 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 and change what needs to be changed, to heal what needs to be healed, to move what needs to be moved, to, to restore what, what needs to be restored, to intervene right now here in this place. Father, I just pray that you'll give all of us uh, the faith that we need to amaze you, that we, would, that we would trust you as the centurion trusted you as the authority of all life. And, and Lord, would you work in our lives? Lord, I just pray for all the needs of this community, all the needs of this church, all the needs of the people who hear. Father, would you answer each one? Would you, would you help us to step into the gap and to pray for them and to call on your name and to believe that prayer really does work because, God, if we believe that, we're going to live differently. We're going to call on your name, and we're going to be able to move and, and allow you to move in this world in ways that we've never discovered and seen before. Father, would you help us to be people of prayer, to call on your name, to trust you to do it, and to amaze you with our faith so we see miracle after miracle after miracle. This is what we ask, and we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Trust in the authority of Jesus. See him. Begin to look around. Would you open your eyes? See God at work. Trust in his authoritative message. Hear it. And know that he knows of what he talks about. And then go and experience his blessing. God bless you. Go and have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.